Hello and welcome. This is an audio recording of an IFG live event. Hello and a very warm welcome to this conversation with Adam Price, the leader of Plaid Cymru. I'm Bronwyn Maddox, the director of the Institute for Government. Well, we're going to be talking about all kinds of things, uh, State of the Union, the upcoming elections in May, and coronavirus and Brexit, and how devolution might take its course. All that to come. Let me just kick off with a few housekeeping rules, which we can't get away with. And um, most important, Adam Price may be called upon to vote on um, a piece of legislation, I think, involving the curriculum in Wales, uh, possibly around quarter to five, and in which case he will sadly have to leave us at that point. So this is an extra incentive for you to send in your questions beginning right now, and I can scoop them up into the ones that I'm going to be asking him. If you want to do that, I really urge you to. put your question into the question and answer panel that you'll see on the right of your screen. We're going to be live tweeting from IFG events using the hashtag IFGDevo. Please do follow and tweet along. We're going to have a a video and sound recording of this up within 24 hours. And that is about it. Well, Adam Price isn't going to need a long introduction to those of you who are very interested in these issues, and there are many of you we know at the IFG. Somebody we've been writing about these questions in a lot of detail. He has been leader of Plaid Cymru since 2018. He's been member of the Senate since 2016, and was a, a long spell as an MP from 2001 till 2010, uh, when he made himself known on many fronts, including challenging Tony Blair very vigorously over the Iraq war. We're going to draw, I expect, in this conversation on his background in economics and his, indeed, his spell at Harvard um, with a a master's in public administration. Well, with all that, and not to take up time from what we actually want to talk about, Adam Price, a very warm welcome. Thank you for joining us. Bronwyn, Bronwyn, uh, really good to uh, be with you this afternoon. Great. Well, let's start where we are in a moment, with the inescapable, with coronavirus. How would you say Wales has done during coronavirus compared to the rest of the UK? I think by and large, uh, the Welsh Government has done better. uh, And certainly that's reflected, uh, I think, in in the stronger um, public approval ratings for the record of the Welsh Government uh, uh, vis-a-vis the Westminster Government. Uh, And I I think... it's certainly in the early phase uh, of uh, the, the pandemic, I think uh, some of the same mistakes were made uh, by the Welsh Government. So um, uh, particularly uh, moving away, uh, too late into lockdown in that early phase, moving away from test and trace, you know, the, the WHO mantra uh, and not enough focus on the care sector. But as we got into the pandemic, uh, I think the Welsh Government almost discovered uh, their ability to have an independent sphere of action. They appointed their own scientific advisors, the technical advisory cell, uh, and they they marshaled Welsh resources. Do you have one example of that? The, the, the record and contact tracing, crucial element in that test and trace system when it was re-established. Um, the Welsh, the, in Wales, we've achieved a much higher level uh, generally in contact tracing. Why? Because it wasn't outsourced uh, to the large private sector con- conglomerates. and been a lot of criticism about that in England, hasn't there? It was actually embedded within uh, public sector, within local authorities. Uh, people that had deep local knowledge and we're able to engage much more effectively within the public and have a better result, a, a better success as a result. Mm. 
I think, you know, there is a sense in which uh, coronavirus was the first time that many people, maybe in Wales, but certainly in the rest of the UK, realised the kind of powers that the Welsh Government had to do things a bit differently, um, including determine whether or not people from other parts of the UK could go into Wales. And uh, as you said, there was a distinct sense of difference, which perhaps grew more sure-footed during all this. On the other hand, when you look at the figures um, of number of deaths, very sadly, Wales has actually got the worst record of any part of the uh, any any of the th three nations uh, of, uh, of the UK and Northern Ireland. Um, quite a lot worse than the UK average. I think the figures at the end of January for the 11 months were were um, very sad. 2000, uh, 214 deaths per hundred thousand compared to the UK average of just just. Um, under uh, 204, it's quite a lot worse. What would you say in to the to, to Wales and to the rest of the UK about why Wales has suffered more deaths uh, for its, its its share of population than any other part of the UK? Yeah, I, I think answering in detail the question of um, the relative success or failure of, of the different governments, you know, we'll only know that when we get the public inquiry. Um, but I, I think. What those figures, I, I believe, point to is, if you like, the prior pandemic uh, of poverty and inequality. And we know from uh, not just looking across uh, the different nations of the UK and the different communities, but also across the world, certainly in developed countries, it's those countries uh, like the United States, like the United Kingdom, that have uh, deeper inequality that have fared worse. And, you know, I, I think it, it points to this, this chronic problem of deep inequality that actually was there before the pandemic. And the pandemic has shone a, an incredibly stark light. So the role of housing, for, for, for example, in terms of an, uh, understanding the different pattern of disease and certainly uh, in terms of low pay. Um, if, if you if you basically cannot survive on the appallingly low levels of financial support that have been provided by the UK government, then even though you're meant to isolate, that isn't a real uh, a real option for you in many many cases. And so people that have to go out uh, to work, those key workers. Uh, that have to put themselves in positions where they're more likely to contract the disease, etc. So what we've seen through the pandemic, I think, is the deep inequality uh, that was there all along surfaced like never before. And that does raise questions, um, difficult questions, mm -hmm. I think, probably for the Labour government as well, because when we look at, give you one statistic, one almost one in three of our children in Wales live in poverty. In, in, an, in an advanced economy, uh, you know, that is, that's a disgrace. And I think these, these deeper questions of poverty and inequality now have come to the fore as a result of the experience of the last 12 months. Yeah. One of the things I thought you might say, say there was that Wales has a much older population than other parts of the UK. And as we know, our age is very closely correlated with, with um, vulnerability to the worst of, uh, of coronavirus. Well, we might come back to those points, but I, I must say it's still... Um, sticks with me when you look at the Welsh government record for which, as you rightly say, there is a lot of support in, in Wales for its handling of coronavirus. And you look at things like 
it's like the earlier lockdowns in September and so on. It's hard, I must say, to see the effect of all that, though, in the figures, because Wales has still suffered basically what um, the rest of the UK has, which is about two thirds of its deaths falling since September. Um, which is you, 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 and something we at the IFG have, have, have thrown at the UK government overall, um, all kinds of things. You, you know, just saying, look, uh, this is not a tribute to government. It is not a sign of great performance if two thirds of this deaths have happened since September. But it's hard. it's hard to find a sense that where the, where the decisions the Welsh government made have made in any way uh, led to a better performance in this. And it raises, doesn't it, and this has been discussed in Scotland as well, it, it, it points to the distinction between reserved and devolved powers because we know from around the world that the question of borders mm. and closing borders, and it's obviously it's become a, an issue of some political disagreement over the last few months in Westminster as well, the failure of the Westminster government really to move quickly enough uh, and follow the scientific advice in terms of uh, uh, closing borders and the effect of new variants. That is an entirely reserved uh, matter, though. Uh, the Welsh and Scottish governments have uh, um, uh, followed a, 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 a probably a more stringent policy, but of course they're limited by their, their powers. And similarly, on the economic side, if you don't have the public health policy aligned with the economic and financial support, then that undermines the health policy. And give you one classic example of that, Bronwyn. Uh, the Welsh government, I'm sure, uh, well, their own scientific advisors uh, advised them to go for a longer fire break, as they called it, a mm. lockdown uh, back in the autumn. They decided that they could only go for a, a, around two weeks. Because, why? Because the furlough was coming to the end of the end of October. They asked the, the uh, UK Treasury to extend it. They refused. Only then, a few weeks later, of course, when England was about to go into lockdown, that decision was reversed. Uh, but it was too late, the decision uh, for the Welsh government to reverse their, their, their decision. Mm -hmm. So that's why, yes, they're, 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 they're within a system of devolution, of course, you have, uh, you have some degree of independent action, but there are important li limits. And I think that, that uh, that's been borne out. And as, as Debbie Stridon has said in Scotland, you know, an independent Scotland, she she said she's a respected voice in these matters. Of course, would have done would have fared better uh, than was possible within the union. Let's let, let's take your point then to uh, move on to some of these questions of independence, which you've been um, arguing about um, uh, eloquently for some time, but uh, particularly in the last couple of months. And obviously, we have the elections out of the Senate uh, in May coming up. Um, and the point you make there about independence and the, or the, the you know the 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 possible values of it. Um, the Chancellor, about to give his budget tomorrow, might say, well, look, this actually shows the value of being part of the UK. Because of being part of the UK, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, every part of the UK was able to draw on the ability to offer a furlough scheme, uh, to draw on the effect of the, 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 the huge borrowing powers of the UK government, which an independent nation wouldn't have. Well, I mean, every independent nation, uh, every sovereign independent nation has the same uh, uh, same ability to borrow um, or, or indeed even, even to use monetary uh, financing as an alternative if they have uh, their own independent currency in the central bank. So uh, that's what every country in, in the world has, has done. And I think 
when we look across Europe, even across the world, I mean, many of the great success stories have been small independent countries. And so we look within Europe at countries like Norway, for example, Denmark, even, and certainly we're all familiar with the New Zealand example. Okay, every circumstance is different, but many of those great success stories, not just in, in public health terms, but also in eco economic terms, and, and the two have tended to go together, the, the, the countries that have been successful in terms of driving down the level of disease, acting with agility, and that, that is one of the features, I think, Bronwyn, that you tend to see with uh, many, many uh, small independent countries, they are more agile, they don't have the sort of super tanker effect that often bedevils larger uh, bureaucracies like like the UK. And, and I, if you look at many of the mistakes that were made in the course of this uh, pandemic policy, and remember, the UK has one of the worst death rates uh, per, uh, per head of population anywhere in, in, in the world. So this is not a success. You know, if, if unionists are arguing that the pandemic is the best, the, the, the record of the pandemic is the best uh, argument for the union, then you know, things have got looking very, very poor indeed in terms of arguments for the union because it has been a sorry uh, a episode and many, many people have lost their lives unnecessarily uh, uh, as a result. And when we do look at small independent countries, I have to say there are some far better uh, templates that we uh, can could have followed. And if we were a small independent country, then uh, we could have availed ourselves of those different tools and levers ourselves. And I think done a far better job. People might um, argue with, with um, uh, some, some points of that. And in fact, I did pause when you were saying that uh, every country has the same ability to borrow uh, if they have an independent currency and so on. And that, that's that's quite an if for a start. Um, but also, the, you know, whether they how much they can borrow and on what terms depends enormously on the world's judgment about their ability to to pay it back and, and therefore uh, its judgment of their their, their economic health. Um, well, know. yeah, I, I, but I, I, don't, I don't think that, that there's any argument that that a um, Wales, an independent Wales, uh, uh, an economy of 65 billion uh, plus, would be a member of the OECD. We, we, we in global terms, uh, we, we are, you know, an advanced economy. So I don't think there's any doubt that we would, as a sovereign independent country, have a have an ability to borrow. And as I said, if we uh, had our own uh, central bank and, uh, and uh, currency, we would also be able to use monetary financing, of which there's obviously been a, a, there's been a very rich debate about the role of monetary financing. Uh, and we probably don't have time to go into that in, in detail, but certainly as part of the normal armory um, of sovereign independent countries, it would also be available to us. We certainly have a greater ability to borrow than we have now as a country. We, we, are, we are literally capped at a billion pounds at a time, uh, Bronwyn, as you know, uniquely, the world has uh, sovereign independent governments uh, in advanced economies have negative interest rates. There is there is not not ever been a better time to uh, to invest in in uh, the future, etc. So, both in terms of dealing uh, with. Uh, the crisis, but also um, uh, what happens next, the recovery, then actually uh, I'm, I'm frustrated that we don't have those those levers available to be, to us because if we are going to 
when they get to grips with the, the fact as, as to why we have these deep pockets of inequality and poverty, and they've been there generation after generation, the only uh, way we're going to uh, address that is put Wales in a different path. And unfortunately, at the moment, we have uh, at least one arm uh, tied behind our backs, and we're probably blindfolded a lot of the time as well. Let's just dwell on this, uh, the, your, your pitch for independence a little bit more, because it is... Um, uh, it, it, the polls, are, uh, it's not running, uh, support doesn't seem to be running at more than about 20-something percent. On the other hand, there is a, there is a degree of vitality in this conversation um, that uh, you've argued wasn't there a couple of years ago. And I think um, many, many would agree with that. People are turning it over in their minds. What happens if Scotland were to go independent? What happens if there are reunification of Ireland and so on? What would happen to Wales then? And you've, you've written a lot on this. So... Perhaps just take us into it a bit. What do you do with what to many people, not to reduce it all to economics, as we saw with, Bre uh, with Brexit, economics does not answer all these questions, doesn't touch the spirit of them. But for Wales, it is a big question. There is a big deficit between uh, what it spends on, on, on public services and so on and, and the revenues it might expect to get. And people, uh, it depends which year you take, but in recent years, between about 13 and 15 billion a year or coming up to about a fifth of its GDP. And um, and it, it um, its, its GDP per head is, is about three quarters of the UK average. So this is starting from a very, very difficult position. What do you say about how Wales would pay for itself? There are no, uh, there's lots of things to say about this. Let's start with, with, with one pretty fundamental point. So uh, our starting point is that we would, we would just play back the question and reverse the logic. So people uh, often ask, well, um, is Wales too poor to be independent? And it, it really relates to your core point. And we would say, well, look, Wales is poor because it's because it's not independent, and uh, the, the the fiscal gap that you refer to uh, that is a function that that is that is a consequence of Wales's relative um, economic underdevelopment, uh, and 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 so then you've got to drill down into the question: Well, why uh, are we underperforming relative to our potential? Uh, and we would say that is because of the highly centralised nature of the economy of the, of the UK. It's, it's probably one of the most uh, centralised, um, not just economically, but probably politically, culturally and financially and everything else. Uh, and indeed, um, outside of London and the South East, pretty much every part of the UK is running uh, a fiscal uh, deficit even in normal times, yeah, and that reflects... So, so that's, that's to describe the situation as it is? Yes, yeah. Right. yeah. So, 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 how, so how would an independent Wales do something about that? Well... Really, pretty, pretty much instantly. How, yeah, how does it pay number, one, number one point is that if we, uh, if we continue on the path that we're on, which is to remain within this highly centralised union, then, then that will be the position forever. And, we, uh, and then we're being asked to accept a position of relative impoverishment forever and a day. So that's that's not an option that we're prepared to accept. Well, in terms of the dynamic position, because yes, um, by the way, I mean, in terms of the fiscal gap, it, that isn't the fiscal position of an independent Wales. And I think that even most economists accept that that's the fiscal position within the UK. You'd have to disentangle so there are certain things that are counted in, the, in, in those figures that are, uh, an, an independent, here's a, an exclusive for the IOG, there will be no independent nuclear deterrent for independent whales. So we'll take that off the books. And there are various other uh, things which mean that 
the fiscal position of an independent Wales is, is a slightly different, uh, but actually, even though that was uh, done in parenthesis and very elegantly, I just just pick you up on that. But there have been various reports on this, as you yeah. uh, as you know, one by the Cardiff University and the, the, the Commission on Independence and so on. If actually what you're saying is Wales would not contribute to the cost of defending uh, the UK, that it would in any deal with the, with the, the rest of the UK or with England say we're not going to contribute to defence at all, we'll be a free rider on what England or the UK do in the way of defence. That's that's something that, well, that, that uh, England, yeah, UK uh, might well not accept in any deal and there would have to be a deal. Well, specifically, uh, well, I mean, if we're an independent country, then I think we, we, we one of the benefits of that is you decide your own uh, defence and, f and, and foreign policy, and we mm. can avoid some of the the uh, terrible uh, uh, crimes of uh, illegal wars that you uh, alluded to earlier. So that's probably a benefit from that, that, that perspective. I, I, I mean, I think, generally speaking, we would expect Wales to spend at around the level of most uh, similar uh, independent countries of, of, of similar size, and and so you, that gives you a very very different level of defence expenditure per per head uh, to begin with. And look, there are other th things within uh, uh, within that figure that actually wouldn't be uh, exactly the same for independent Wales. Indeed, the Wales government sent a report um, that you referred to explicitly uh, say in the report, this is not the fiscal position of an independent Wales. Uh, and it, uh, we don't and also, time to go into a lot of these these details. It yeah, yeah. And, and also, I mean, look, uh, I, I think the bigger point, Bronwyn, is this: is the dynamic question as, as we uh, as economists we uh, we differentiate between the static position and the dynamic position. I, what is going to change? And that's that's the that's the prize. That's that's the purpose of, it, of independence because it, it is it is our um, it is our contention. It is our belief. Uh, and based upon uh, the experience of other small in independent countries that, are, that, that having achieved independence have gone on a far uh, more prosperous trajectory than, than hitherto, we believe that Wales has latent potential that is, that is currently not being realised. Uh, and, you know, there, there's good objective reasons to argue as to why so let, uh, so that let's, is true. Let's, and, let's, let's come on to this, because you said yeah. earlier, look, Wales is poor because it's not independent. Well, people might challenge that and say, look, Wales is, is poor because it's not generating enough wealth. It doesn't have the businesses and so on. And maybe that draws on um, uh, on, on um, the lack of investment in education and, and universities over the years, uh, among among other things, and in, in, in business investment. So what would, other than saying it's it's small, therefore it can be agile, this was something you wrote on at Harvard, I believe, um, the advantages of small countries. Um, but what would Wales do to turn itself around uh, looking at other small countries, if you like. Well, it's a, it's a good intellectual exercise to ask yourself, if you could only do one thing, what would it be? You never do just one mm -hmm. thing in economic policy, but here it goes. If you did one thing, then what would it be? You would massively invest in human capital. We have been under-investing, uh, Wales now, in, in human capital, um, certainly over the last few decades. And to give you just one example, you know, and this is kind of slightly counter-cultural for us because there was always been historically a big emphasis on education as a route out of poverty but in the last 10 years we've cut 
uh, in real terms uh, per people spending in our, in our schools, for example. That's, that's a disastrous short-sighted policy. So the first thing that you would you would do yep. is massively change uh, the, uh, the the political equation in terms of investment in, in, in human capital. You talk about universities. Well, there are interesting things you can do, Roman, uh, as, as a sovereign independent country that you can't do uh, currently. So you can you can look at R and D tax credits, for example, uh, and there, there are good examples of you know the Netherlands, etc., where they've been much more creative uh, uh, than us. Uh, I'm going to say, well, these are treasury decisions, and you would say, well, look, okay, what are our, where's our competitive advantage? Uh, how can we align the key institutions like our universities that we have? And then how do we actually create a supportive uh, tax policy which uh, invests in those areas where we be- believe we can develop uh, further? Now, that's the kind of thing that uh, independent countries do all of the time. And small independent countries, as I wrote in the the, uh, the paper from Harvard, do it very well. They're very agile. They're very good at they're very good at, at knowing themselves, at knowing where their where their key strengths are. They're very good at, at reacting and responding to opportunities in, in the world. Why small countries are exporters, and so they're very attuned to the world outside. And so, that, that, exporters. So, 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 um. Let's just stay on the education point for a second, because you're describing an area in which Wales, in fact, does have devolved competence in the jargon. It has had control over its own affairs. And yet, as you described it, this this uh, Wales acting within the independence it does have at the moment um, has chosen to to cut uh, funding per head and has school results to the extent you can compare them. The IFG is doing work on this. Um, but to the extent you can compare them below the rest of the UK and below the OECD average in reading and maths, wh- uh, wh- why has that happened? I, I, yeah, I think it, um, it is. I think it's it's partly a function of um, uh, of the cut in real terms uh, that's happened over the last ten years. The Welsh government has just recently published its own research, which has shown the extent of. Uh, the real terms cut uh, going back to 2010, uh, and the, 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 the evidence uh, the, the evidence around the world does show some uh, uh, correlation between the level of expenditure uh, on education. Of course, it depends what you spend it on, but particularly there are threshold levels in terms of the number of teachers, etc., et, et, et uh, which have a big effect on on the uh, on the ability to. Uh, to, uh, to achieve and of close educational attainment gap. That's one of the problems as well within Wales is we have uh, we haven't really seen any progress in terms of narrowing the educational attainment gap to any large degree. Uh, and so there is the problem of relative underperformance as a whole of a nation, but also within Wales as well. Uh, and you know that is that. And if you uh, on top of that, Bronwyn, there's also the underinvestment in our FE and HE sector. So the FE sector. Vocational education has been as much of a Cinderella sector in Wales as it has in uh, in, in, in England, um, but a, a critical failure. And we you know we know that looking at all successful economies across Europe, we know that actually putting a equal value on vocational education, mm. not just talking the language of lifelong learning. We, we, we've dismantled adult education in, in Wales to, to all intents and purposes uh, over the last uh, 15 years or so. Uh, and then when we come to our university level, uh, critically important institutions in terms of economic success, and yet we have underinvested in, in them. And these have been massive failures. They haven't been given the priority that they deserve.
Yeah, and and you know, it slightly goes against your argument that independence on its own um, is a recipe for success. But we might tease this out in the questions. Well, I, I think I think that clearly within uh, with any every government uh, in any in any situ situation, of course, have choices uh, to make. I think that that um, to just contradict you slightly, the reason why the Welsh government, uh, I, I think, um, have. Uh, uh, they, they haven't prioritised those areas of his expenditure because they have prioritised others, and, and because, of course, uh, they have had l limits on on their expenditure, particularly on the on the borrowing side imposed by Westminster. Westminster, and they haven't had the ability uh, to um, to invest uh, that an independent country would have had. So, I, I, you know, I think that. Uh, yes, you're right that there be the wrong political choices have been made, but obviously those have been, many of them have been within constraints set by Westminster. My 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 beef with the, the, the Welsh Labour government is this: is look, yes, you have limits, yes, you have constraints, but you should be pushing away at them. You should be pushing them to uh, to the limit and showing that kind of creativity and ambition. And that's the bit where they've fallen down. Yes, part of the blame lies with the Westminster government, but you just can't uh, uh, then, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, rest on your laurels, as it were, or just accept the inevitability of that. Mm. OK, great. Well, look, thank you for that. And let's go on to some of the questions, which are terrific questions, and they're coming in a steady stream now. Thanks. Please keep them coming. Let me, let me let me start one still on money. Um, the person hasn't put their name to this, but uh, saying how can Wales obtain the money that used to come from the EU, which was the old structural funds, and now it's going to be uh, is it going to be money from Westminster called the Shared Prosperity Fund? Um, how's Wales going to get its share of that, and where would you like it to go? Well, I mean, uh, we, we were promised, weren't we, that we weren't gonna, Wales was going to lose a penny, and I, I don't think anyone uh, believes that promise now. And, and it, it's still uh, what's going to happen to uh, the Shared Prosperity Fund, and it's still, you know, shrouded in in in, in mystery. Uh, but I think we can we pretty accurately predict, based on what we've already been told, that. Um, that money is going to be directed from Westminster. We're going to have very limited ability to decide uh, where we would like to invest it uh, within Wales, and so you know, and that, that's that's um, going to be incredibly difficult for for us then to to kind of shape a coherent national economic strategy when we've got much of the decision making uh, made on, on on capital projects, etc., being being. You know, done down right. the M4 in, in so, Westminster. So, so it looks like it is going to be down the M4 in Westminster. Um, what would you, what's your pitch going to be? Where would you, given you, you probably do now have to pitch for it, where um, where would you like it to go? Well, I, th I think the, the key economic uh, challenge for the Welsh economy, I think, in the years ahead is to diversify uh, and um, and to, to, to really have an economic strategy which is based on a much more granular uh, understanding of what I was referring to earlier. Where, where, where are our competitive advantages? Um, where are the sectors of, of the future that we can develop uh, into? And... Uh, that's the kind, and, and that in, involves, I think, building up the development bank. Uh, and so we, I think, it's great that we have uh, a, a Welsh-based financial institution. We need more, uh, by the way, uh, but we've got to be investing in growing our own. Our entire economic model over the over the last 
uh, 60 years in Wales has been based on one simple idea that salvation would come from elsewhere. We would get out the checkbook, invite foreign uh, 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 owned companies to come into Wales and, and employ us. And th those days are over. Um, uh, and the writing has been on the wall for some for some time, and probably Brexit is the you know is is the is the last gasp of that kind of uh, mentality. And yet the Welsh government, uh, despite using different language at times, they're still following the same the same policy. And that's not the way that w the, the Welsh economy is going to realise its potential. We need to be investing in our own uh, grounded small and medium-sized uh, companies working out uh, where our competitive advantages lie. And, and one of the things that those companies need is they need investment. Um, too, too often we get a, a scenario in Wales where we do have successful companies. They grow to a certain level um, and uh, then they're, they're bought up. And then we lose the, the, the management uh, is then ex exported outside of Wales. Once you do that, uh, you're, on a, uh, you're on a declining trajectory then in terms of growing those companies any further. You do we get need to be investing. You get, you get the capital out of those businesses, out of that sale, in order to reinvest. And, and uh, in order to reinvest, for example, in knowledge uh, economy or in vaccine development or, I mean, it... it, it doesn't let me let me bring in. You've mentioned Brexit. Yeah, that, 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 that could that could that that you could argue that if we had a very well developed Welsh venture capital scene, so yeah. where yes, those the profits from the sales were then reinvested in other businesses. Mm. We don't have that in the moment. So actually, the the value just tends to disappear, and also some of the knowledge as well, because I mean that's the most valuable yeah. valuable capital of all is knowledge capital, and 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 that disappears from within these companies once um, we lose uh, local ownership of them. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. Let me bring in one. You mentioned Brexit very briefly, and we haven't touched on that at all, and it has an enormous impact on Wales. Um, we've got one from Kenny Dick saying, why do you think the people of Wales voted narrowly in favour of Brexit? I, th I think there were many, many different reasons, and I, I wouldn't like to ascribe a, a particular one uh, to um, to all of those in Wales that uh, to, that did vote that way. Um, uh, you know, many of them were sincerely of the political belief that they didn't want to be part of a of, the, of a, a political union uh, uh, in, in in the form of the EU. Uh, for others, I, I think it 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 was. Um, I think born of a sense of frustration and exasperation in many of those uh, uh, disadvantaged communities that, uh, that that felt that the political status quo and, if you like, the economic orthodoxy uh, of um, some of which I've just referred to over the last 60 years hadn't delivered for them and, and that this was an opportunity to to express that, uh, that, that, that sense of, of, of of alienation, and again, I wouldn't ascribe that as a motive for everyone, out of respect uh, for everyone's individual reasons for it. But I think there was a, there was there, there was a, certainly an element of that, and probably reflected in other similar um, uh, post-industrial communities across the UK as well. And where do you think sentiment is now on Brexit? Well, I mean, according to the latest opinion polls, there's, there's, there's probably been a shift. Uh, back uh, towards um, regret but I mean I think these are only opinion polls and, and I, 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 I you know who, who, who knows I, I think that we just we have to accept now the world that we're in and we have to make this work for, for the Welsh economy it's a, it's a different 
is it entirely different in my room? We probably, Bronwyn, going through a, a, an age of, of deglobalization, uh, even with the election of Joe Biden to the United States, we've seen Joe Biden uh, adopt a, a sort of made in America policy. And so we're in, we're in a very, very different phase. Uh, and and there, are, there are good technological reasons why manufacturing as well is coming back home a little bit. There's a bit of reshoring and onshoring, things like additive manufacturing, small batch production. So the, the, the economic landscape is, is changing and there are threats for us there, certainly when our economy has been structured around global supply chains in traditional sectors like now traditional sectors like automotive. But there are probably opportunities for us as well. And we've got to focus on, on uh, some of those. And for instance, give you one example, Bronwyn, Bron, the, the rules on, on public procurement, because we're now in the WTO and uh, um, and um, we we can specify local um, purchasing um, up to a certain threshold. Um, we can even specify Welsh firms, even despite the internal market uh, bill. Um, we weren't able to do that in quite the same way uh, before, uh, and, and that's an opportunity. If you, it, it, it's uh, it's an opportunity for import substitution. The six point three billion pounds of public procurement that the Welsh government are responsible for about um, about fifty percent of that goes over the border to, to companies based uh, uh, well, in, in other parts of the UK or, or overseas. Uh, so that's an opportunity and um, we, need to, we need to see the opportunities and, and, and not just the threats. Thank you for that. We take in one, a, a purely political one, if I can put it that way, from, from Simon Reeves, uh, saying based on the St David's Day polls on, on Wales today and the number of seats projected for, for applied um, Plecumry and, and the Conservatives, might you consider a coalition to dislodge Labour? I guess uh, that's where a co coalition with the Conservatives. And the polls, I think, I'm not sure about that particular one, the polls have put you a close third behind uh, the Conservatives in terms of possible numbers of seats, I think. I, I think there were, there were two on St David's Day. We, we always have more than one on St David's Day. Um, yeah, I think one put us in second place on seats and, and, and the other one put us in third. So, uh, um, but... Um, uh, yeah, I know there's a short answer to this question. No, uh, there are no circumstances whatsoever if, if, uh, that we would uh, for, uh, form a coalition uh, with the Conservatives or in any uh, or support a Conservative First Minister. We would never uh, do that. I mean, we're, we're, too, we're poles apart politically, uh, ideologically. Mm. Um, okay. Um, thanks. Thanks for that. Um, all right, and then there's one just following on your comments um, from Malcolm, saying what measures can Wales and, and its government take in order to reduce the damage uh, to Welsh businesses of Brexit? Or indeed take hold of the opportunities if you were of a different persuasion on Brexit? Well, yeah, I, I think certainly um, we need to be far more active in terms of our export strategy than we have been uh, uh, hitherto because these non-tariff barriers, particularly given the sectors that uh, um, Wales is um, uh, specialised in, um, area, manufacturing, but also the particular areas within manufacturing, uh, automotive and aerospace, um, uh, the position of our food and farming sector, and we've seen particularly the problems of the shellfish uh, um, mm. producers recently. Haven't we? So we've got to, we're going to have to be a much more active partner to um, to industry than we uh, have been, uh, and certainly that would be a major element 
uh, of uh, priority for us. We, we're going to set up a, a, an, an arm's length economic development agency, specialist agency. The OECD has said that that, that is a glaring gap in, in Wales at, at the moment. So, And that can work actively then with business in these sectors that are finding it difficult because of the, uh, the extra layers of bureaucracy that have resulted to Brexit. But yes, as I said, you know, there are opportunities as the world is changing around us. We have to we have to adapt uh, to, to, to that. And um, as uh, export mar markets become more difficult, then looking at uh, an import substitution approach is a sensible thing uh, you know, in, 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 in these markets, particularly in public procurement, where we can use uh, actually the public pound, if you, if you like, as a way to develop some of these infant industries that are, I referred to. So. So in some areas we can do, they call it innovative procurement, where we, we try and create a new market. We, uh, and in some senses, what happened in the pandemic is going to be really interesting, isn't it? Because PPE, we were sourcing it from uh, all over Asia, etc. But the Welsh government through, uh, uh, um, started to identify manufacturers in Wales that could, produ could produce particular, um, particular pro products. And we realised that actually... In, in Wales, we've, we've still got a manufacturing base. We still make things to a greater extent than is true across the UK. And that actually is a strength for us as, as, as the economy uh, shifts around us. So let's have that kind of active approach where we actually sit down with companies and say, well, look, what markets are you in now? What are you producing? And what else could you move into? What's the proximate uh, market that you maybe actually could provide some opportunities with you and how can we work with you whether it's finance through the development bank whether it's export uh, advice through the network of international offices that Wales has across the, uh, the world that's the kind of attitude that we need from the Welsh government that is working side by side you know uh, rolling up its sleeves if you like uh, with uh, Welsh companies that are facing difficulties but also um, have some new opportunities on their horizon as well. Mm. Does Welsh farming have new opportunities? I mean, it's one of the things that Wales makes is sheep um, and, and, and cattle. Um, or, or is that really gone uh, now that we're out of the EU? Well, I, I think clearly this is an incredibly difficult uh, time for, for, for farming. And um, on, on top of the insecurity that has you know, arisen out of Brexit, then we, we've, we have other concerns uh, which are to do with the Welsh Government's policy on things like the basic payment. Uh, basic payment is like basic income for farmers, right? I mean, basic income is popular amongst progressives, but uh, so uh, we, we think in an insecure industry where income is really at the bottom, then the last thing you should do at this point is take away their basic payment, uh, basic income. Um, but secondly, then there's a controversy at the moment about uh, um, uh, creating an all wheels uh, uh, nitrate, um, NVZ, nitrate zone, nitrate vulnerable zone, which means that uh, maybe uh, the additional cost of about up to six, 360 million on the farming industry. Well, where's that going to come from? And you'll end up, I mean, the only uh, the only farm holdings that will be able to survive that um, um, double whammy, if you like, of uh, lower income plus low, uh, higher capital costs will be the large ones. And so you, you'll actually end up with kind of ag agribusiness effectively and, and the, the final death knell of the family farm. And that would be a disaster socially and economically. I think farming does have uh, actually a, a, a really strong and vibrant uh, future, but we've got to transition uh, and uh, and help the farmers, not, not actually work with them uh, as part of this transition. Because uh, what I just referred to earlier really 
input substitution. There's a great opportunity there. We want to extend free school meals. We think it's, a, it's an absolute scandal that 70,000 children in Wales uh, who live in poverty currently don't receive free school meals. Well, let's actually combine that with a, a positive policy on, on local procurement and creating uh, a Welsh food and farming system whereby you are actually uh, using local farming and local food to deliver those uh, um, free school meals. You know, when you have limited uh, funds, um, you know, obviously even more limited while we're under Westminster, uh, Bronwyn, you've got to be smart policies have got to be uh, deliver more than one goal and the free school meals uh, policy is an opportunity whereby we can inject some demand into, into welsh uh, farming and, and by the way it's you know it's make make that part of the education process we, we're moving to a new curriculum which i'll be voting on in a in a few minutes now uh, but actually why don't you then bring the farmers bring the farmers in uh, take the children to uh, the, the fields where the food that they're going to be eating, you know, later that day is actually being produced as part of learning about the environment, as part of learning about economics and, and everything else. Thank, thank you for that. Um, we've got an interesting one about, um, again, someone who hasn't put their name to it, but saying, is the First Minister Mark Mark Drakeford's call for, for home rule, that, that is a you know, greater de degree of devolution uh, for Wales, but within the union? Um, is that a threat to the kind of arguments you, that you're making for independence? Um, it's obviously a very different vision of of Wales's position within the UK. It is a it is a vision of Wales within the UK. Yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely a response, isn't it? Um, uh, and not for the first time, uh, I think you know the, the Labour Party moves when they feel uh, they feel the threat. Uh, uh, from uh, from Plaid Cymru and um, and that, you know, it's been like that for forty years. I remember when Neil Kinnock changed his his stance of, of being uh, you know robustly anti devolution. I think in the middle of the Pontypridd by election, where Plaid Cymru were polling very well. Um, so and uh, um, the problem I think is this: it, it it doesn't solve the fundamentals. The fundamentals uh, the fundamental issue is, is this is how can you have uh, federalism, and that's eff effectively what, what Home Rule is referring to, uh, within an union uh, where you have um, one of the constituent nations making up, what is it, 87% of the population. It will always be an imbalanced union. And uh, on top of that, you have a tradition of, of Westminster su uh, parliamentary supremacy. Uh, and... Uh, to what extent can you entrench? But even if you do entrench in a written constitution, you will still have the fundamental problem that the, the powers that are reserved at the federal level will always uh, be uh, determined by the political outcomes in the nation next door. And uh, we have different political values. I mean, Wales has never voted, you know, since the since the Reform Act, uh, Wales has never, ever voted for a majority of Conservative MPs. And yet we've had... Uh, conservative governments for two thirds of the time, and I think no one credibly argues that that's going to be any different any any time soon. Uh, and um, I think for, the, for those democratic reasons, uh, we believe that independence is, is is the best solution. And that's why what's interesting is what's happening within the Labour Party's voter base, because for the first time ever, and this is what's driving the surge in independence is. 50% of Labour voters, according to some opinion polls, are now, uh, they're not even curious, they're indie confident, to use the, to use the phraseology we're using now. 
Uh, and I think that's why the Labour Party is shifting its position. But I, I think they're being overtaken by events, and particularly amongst young people. Um, it, you know, independence, he accused, uh, as often accuses us in the independence movement of being backward looking and inward looking. It's the opposite, actually. Uh, we're the ones that uh, are um, forward-looking. We're the ones that are talking about the future of Wales. We're the ones that want Wales to join in with the rest of the world uh, and be internationalist and outlooking. It's the it's the British uh, unionist project that has become backward-looking and inward-looking over the last a, a few years. Right. Let me pick up a go just on your point about uh, an, an internationalist Wales, if you like. And we've got several questions here. Uh, in the panel about things like would you uh, look to join the euro would you uh, adopt the, the Schengen area but also one written in question saying look um, how would Wales ever be in a position to apply to rejoin the EU um, because the Welsh economy is so interwoven with England um, that we, it's someone in Wales writing we would need to stay part of a single market with, with England uh, until the Welsh economy had somehow been transformed so that Wales traded more with the EU than England well, you know, I, I, and, and these are issues, of course, that the Independence Commission report, uh, which we published um, um, just before um, in December, goes into in some in some detail. And uh, the conclusion that uh, the Commission report came to, and was, it was um, supported by our membership in a special conference uh, uh, recently, is for those reasons. Um, an independent Wales joining the EU uh, immediately is not an option. And it's not an option that we embrace. Uh, we're a pro-European party, uh, and so uh, our our ideal uh, would be for Wales to uh, rejoin the uh, to join the European Union as an independent member, like the Republic of Ireland, uh, at some point in the future. Um, but um, we would not see that as a as a uh, realistic option anywhere uh, in the short to medium term. Uh, and uh, for the reason for the reasons that, you, you, that if England remains outside the European Union, uh, that does that does constrain uh, um, our ability to uh, to join the European Union or, uh, over that initial period. The, the question is right, of course, over the long term, uh, as the, the Welsh economy develops and diversifies and internationalizes, and and, be, and in its re the relative weight in its trade. Um, uh, uh, with uh, the rest of the world vis-a-vis -vis, uh, compared to England, then obviously that would be a different I issue. But that's in the long term, uh, and so we, yeah, we 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 uh, accept and acknowledge that. Uh, in terms of Adam, I'm, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to um, uh, actually interject from your own team and say that you've got to go and vote now. Ah, um, right. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 we could clearly. Because we, we don't have division bells at the moment, but because uh, um, we, we're you know home, but uh, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for the prompts. Yeah, not, not at all. We've we got stacks more questions, and including right. um, very pointed right. ones about whether Wales would end up an economic annex to England and all kinds of things. And we're going to have to say uh, that we will continue those uh, some other time. Um, Adam, I, I'm, I'm going to let you go. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, for. I'm very grateful. And my chief whip is very grateful too. <laughs> yeah, not at all. And everyone who's been watching and sending in questions, I'm sorry I could only get in a fraction. They were extremely good, intelligent questions. Please join us uh, for our event with uh, Andy Burnham on the, on the 8th. Uh, Adam Price, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed this edition of IFG Live. Please do subscribe to hear more. 
And if you'd like to know about our upcoming events, please visit instituteforgovernment.org.uk slash events. Thank you.